Hey, everyone, and welcome to the FLA Cats Hockey Podcast, episode number six. Here again, David Rodriguez with my co-hosts, Ryan Keelan and Kirby Lupel. Shout out to the Dolphins fans as they got a nice win over the weekend in week one. Uh, Ryan, Kirby, how are we doing this fine day? Hope everything is well. well What's Ryan going on? Ryan should be doing good. Um, I think Bill Zito was at the game and Carter Verhage was there as well. Really? On social media? Yeah, so. I saw um, Colin White was there. I think Michael Delzato. Just from some Instagram things, I saw the, uh, some guys that are new were in town. So nice to see them catching the Dolphins game. And I know, Ryan, you were at the Hurricanes game who got a nice win as well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Easy win. So lot, not a bad weekend went for down. Miami fans. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, so everyone, thank you guys so much for listening to episode five where September has just uh, gotten almost halfway through and we're really excited for the uh, training camp that should be starting within a few weeks now. Uh, I think we're about 10, 15 days from actually seeing the players in uniform, getting ready to play. And so today's episode, we're going to kind of do a, a preview of the Atlantic Division uh, featuring the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Boston, who is kind of on the uh, negative side as far as what's gone on this offseason and plenty more. So I'd like to start with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, previewing them, how they did last year. Obviously, they had a fantastic regular season, once again went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so they are in a tough spot because I think a lot of them um they lost a few players obviously offensively and defensively so today speaking of the defense and the goaltending um obviously their big name is victor hedman ryan kirby you guys know victor hedman is one of the top five defensemen in the league uh kirby i know you follow victor hedman for a long time any specific notes that make him such a special defenseman well i just think like his contract like he's at what 7.8 million mm-hmm. for the next three years here like with everyone talking about how the salary cap is going to go up here mm-hmm. in the league um i just think that's like valuable and you know he's 31 years old but he's you know he's aging like fine wine he's he's getting better and better he, you know a lot of the minutes on these tampa bay players you're going to wonder when it's going to catch up to them but um like you're going to get into the goaltending you know which right. is a key facet of the of the lightning team now this year david i know you're going to mention with the roster it's going to be a little bit more um you know slim maybe there on the back end with some younger yep. guys some older guys and different things like that but i think when it comes to victor hedman a leader on the team there's not much that uh you have to worry about him going into this season absolutely a workhorse for them averaged over 25 minutes a game last year uh, in 82 games, he had 85 points, 65 of them coming on the assist. Uh, a mainstay on their power play, he pretty much quarterbacks the power play, moving it from left to right, uh, whether it's Stamkos or Kucherov. Uh, they did lose Ryan McDonough, who for them was a very important piece in their last three years, especially you know going to the Stanley Cup Finals three times and uh, winning it twice. He averaged about 22 and a half minutes last year for Tampa. He obviously went to Nashville. Um, I don't, I think they, they didn't really get anything back in return. It was just a simple trade to offload some salary caps. So according to a lot of things I've researched, they have Cal foot, who is a 23 year old Canadian, six foot three, uh, still a young defenseman who they have estimated maybe stepping up in that role to be with Victor Hedman. And then for their second pairing, they, they still have Sergachev and Chernak, uh, both 24, 25 years old. They got signed to big extensions this off season um, that'll kick in next year. Their cap hits are still relatively nice at 4.8 and 2.95 uh, for Sergeyev played 78 games. I think he was on their second unit on the power play. He was another workforce for a workhorse for them. Uh, averaged about 22 and a half minutes, just about the same as McDonough. And then on the third pairing, they brought in Ian Cole, who I think Ryan, you were, you were high on him that you wanted the Panthers to get him. Am I right on that? I think I remember that. Yeah, I wanted him and, you know, a couple of people over Mark Stahl. Right. Yeah, they signed him to a three uh, three million per uh, signing this summer. Uh, and it's no, go ahead. Oh, sorry, David. And Philip Myers, I think he was involved in that um, McDonough trade. So he would be oh, okay. involved with that third pairing, I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, 25, not a bad replacement. About six foot five, a big frame, six five, two ten. Uh, only played 27 games last year and had four points and just under 15 minutes. So nothing crazy from there. Uh, depth defenseman they have, I think 
The one that stands out is Zach Bogosian. He's 32 years old now, played about 15 minutes a game for them last year, 48 games. They got Hayden Fleury and also Darren Radish, uh, both 26, both Canadian, about six foot three and six foot respectively. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really strange offseason for Tampa because uh they lost to McDonough, who was a main, main, you know, an assistant captain for them, a very vocal person. Uh, you could see from the outside, just a big guy, a really, really respectable guy. I'm sure that all the Tampa fans loved him. So it'll be interesting to see if they miss that experience. I don't think, you know, there'll be much of a let off as far as defensive productivity from them. I think Victor Hedman is going to have a much more uh, uh, extensive role, even though they've averaged, he's averaged 25 minutes, they're going to rely on him a lot. Um, so we'll see if, if Ian Cole steps a bit, we'll see, but, I just don't know. I don't know if Tampa's ready, relatively improved at any, anywhere defensively, but of course their goaltending is probably the best in the league with Vasilevsky playing 63 games last year, uh, 2.49 goals against, 917 save percentage, and about nine, 39 wins and 18 losses at a cap hit of 9.5. So, And just Vasilevsky, to add that, David, yeah. I think Zach Bogosian had surgery in the offseason, so I'm seeing that he might be back after the first month of the season or so yeah, i saw of- he was a little iffy so that's why i kind of had him as a depth guy to really uh you know whenever he comes back i don't think he'll be ready right away but uh, i think he's a nice guy for them you know averages about 15 minutes a game and whatnot so uh but vasilevsky for sure you know they're number one brian elliott they're number two he's 37 he's just riding around uh you know just yeah, he did well last year had about the same numbers of as Vasilevsky, but you know, he's know just Vasilevsky. a hard guy to trust, Brian. Yeah, and you know, Vasilevsky, Philly, you know, and then with Vasi being a horse, like kind of a, it's kind of a good fit for Elliot to be, you know, in Tampa where right. he's not dependent on heavily. Right. And they don't really have anyone under, you know, that's relatively young that could develop behind Vasilevsky. So they bring in a veteran guy like Brian Elliott, who's been there for a while and, uh, you know, plays about 20 games. But you know, Vasilevsky will be their horse for about 60 games if he's healthy. So, some consider him the best goaltender in the league for sure. So, and David, remember last year on Spaces, fans were doubting us about Tampa because you know you did say they had a pretty solid regular season, but they had a lot of their stumbles, and then they started to get going near the end of the regular season there. Right. And we said this is still the same old Tampa Bay. Let's not like discredit them here because a lot of Panther fans, as you're going to get to them here in a second, wanted to play a different team in uh, the playoffs if we got through the first round in the second round. So, right. um, we're like, be careful what we wish for here, right? So. Uh, <laughs> Not even though Tampa, maybe they're going to take you know another quarter step, half a step back, maybe like mm-hmm. you know it's just really hard for me to uh, to underestimate these guys. So for sure, especially with Headman, who you know he could play half the game if if he needs to. So I, but like you said, Kirby, Toronto, another team in the Atlantic Division that is, has Stanley Cup aspiration goals. Uh, their defense was very solid last year, led by Morgan Riley. Uh, he had he played all games last year, 68 points, logged in 24 minutes a game. Uh, TJ Brody, another nice thing that they have that could be, uh, you know, between the first pairing or the second pairing. Uh, Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, their second pairing as uh, forecasts. All guys that could play, you know, 20, 25 minutes at night. I think, you know, you'll see Muzzin and Hall around 20 minutes flirting around that range. And then they brought in Giordano last year late at the deadline who did well for them. He's obviously 38, you know, an older guy trying to win a cup. Uh, We'll see how he does. They've got uh, Rasmus Sandin, who's kind of holding out right now, a young 22-year-old defenseman who is, you know, they they say he's a relatively strong defenseman. Uh, He's undersized at 5'11", but at 51 games last year, I think he's looking to get paid. They've got Jordy Ben as well, another veteran guy, 35, and Victor Mete, Mete, M-E-T-E. Um, oh, yeah, from, from Montreal. Yeah, he played about 37 games yep. last year. He, where, do you, where do you see the pairings going here, David? Because I like I hear a lot with the Toronto fan base, like off-season, regular I've season. I've seen – I, I, mean, see, I like, did Hall, some research. Yeah, like how do you feel about this? Like Hall being paired up – or sorry, Hall sliding down to the third pairing. And then like Gio, maybe even though he's at 38 years old, mm-hmm. playing in their top four – kind of alongside oh sorry alongside Justin Hall and then maybe Jake Muzzin sliding down to third pairing because Muzzin 
he's had to deal with a lot of injuries, a little bit of regression, slight in his play. So I think right. they're going to really depend on like Riley and Brody at the top. And like someone like Giordano at 38 years old, going to have to probably give them top four defense mm-hmm. minutes. So I think that's where they're going to be at a crunch. What do you see kind of there? David? Yeah. I mean, they have another guy, forgive me if I mispronounce his name is Timothy Lilligren. Yeah, Timothy Logren. Yep. Lilligren, 23 years old, played about 60 games for him last year. So he'll be in the mix as well. So they have a lot of options. I think a lot more solid options than you would say like a Tampa in the bottom three pairing um, with Giordano, Lindgren, and then Sandin, whether he holds out or he comes in for the season. Um, So I don't know. I saw four different, five different projections where they had Morgan Riley with Justin Hall. They had Morgan Riley with Jake Muzzin. They -hmm. had Giordano, maybe like you said, on that second pairing with TJ Brody. So there's just a lot of, there were a lot of different uh, combinations that they had. I think I they're really missing, a, like, a, they're missing, like, Ryan, you can tell me, too, if I'm wrong here. Like, I just feel the Leafs are missing, like, that, you know, second solid defenseman or third solid defenseman. They have their horse in Riley that a lot of teams mm-hmm. would use as their number one de- demon. But similar problem to the Panthers of maybe missing that, like, number two guy or that number three guy, especially with the Panthers, like, moving on from Uyghur. I feel the same issues are there with Toronto's blue line. So for them to say they're way above of what Florida has I, or, you know, what Tampa has, I don't really see that because Tampa Bay has Hedman and we have Ekblad, you know, so it's a lot of pressure on Riley, like I said, and maybe even like sliding down a little further to someone like TJ Brody, who is being elevated into a spot where he hasn't been like in that spot for years since he was with the flames. Right. So. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's good problems to have for Toronto, you know, different number of guys and different combinations I could have. But I think the main concern for them, you know, is the goaltending position. They uh, brought in Matt Murray. They have Ilya Samsonov, both guys that have been shaky. Uh, Matt Murray hasn't been himself since he won those cups with, with Pittsburgh. He was 5-12 uh, and 12 last year, had a save percentage just about just over 900 Goals against was above three. Same thing with Samsonov. He had a nice win loss record with, with Washington, but you know, that save percent or that goals against was, was over three. So it'll be strange that do they go 50, 50 with them? I, I don't think Matt Murray's played over 35, 36 games uh-huh. since 2018. I don't believe in Matt Murray. And as a professional athlete playing there with Ottawa, he's like, I'm not ready to go this week. I'm not ready tonight. Mm-hmm. Just like, giving that non-standardized answer as a professional athlete, like I'm not ready to go. And then you're coming into like the hockey hotbed, the hockey Mecca of Toronto, and you're supposed to be anointed the starting goalie. I think he gets here next week uh, in Canada and they're going to be like hitting him up with interviews and different things like that. I I believe in Samsonov, but is he going to be a strong enough starting goalie for a Toronto Maple Leaf squad that has like Stanley cup aspirations, I guess. Right. Yeah. So that's where I think, if anything, that's their weak their weak point right now on the defensive or goaltending side. I think their defense is very very strong. You know, you look up the six names we mentioned, seven names, and I think you could compare them relatively strong as far as depth with anyone else in the league. It's just a matter of them producing. I think they had, like I said, Morgan Riley was about seventy points, and then everyone was around 20, 30 points. So. It'll be interesting. I think Toronto has a good thing going for them defensively. Obviously, their offense is very well, but. Their goaltending is absolutely, absolutely questionable, um, to say the least. And then the last one for me that I had was the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, you know, Detroit has – I've always said Detroit with with Yeiserman is, to me, more of a threat in the next few years than I would say Ottawa because Yeiserman was one of my favorite players growing up. I think he's one of the hardest-working players, uh, a vocal leader, a captain. He built Tampa – to what they were before leaving to Detroit. So I I don't know. I just feel that Detroit still isn't there. Their defense isn't very strong to say the least just yet. They did sign Ben Sherratt, who was on the Panthers last year at the end of the season for a four by four and a half. I think it was. Um, So they have him projected playing with Maritz Sider, the Norris, or I'm sorry, the Calder winning defenseman, 21 years old from Germany. Uh, got 50 points last year, played 23 minutes at 21. So that pairing will be very interesting to see both, you know, relatively bigger guys, six foot three, obviously Sherrod has a little bit more experience at 31. And then on the second pairing, they brought in Olimata and then they have Philip Hornick. I think that's how you Hornacek, Hornacek. Uh, They brought him in or he's been there for a while. Uh, He played about 22 minutes last year for him, 38 points. Olimata has just always been – I thought he was going to be really good when he was on Pittsburgh, then never really 
filled out to be a, a really good defenseman. He played 66 games last year, only had eight points at about 18 minutes again. I think he was on – was it the Kings, I think it was, he was on last year? Yeah, he's been moved. He's moved around. Yeah, he's been moving around. I thought he was going to be relatively good for Pittsburgh for a long time. Pittsburgh, Chicago. He went to Chicago and then, yeah, went to LA. Yeah. And then their third line, their third pairing they have is Jordan Osterley and then Gustav Lindstrom, uh, who's a young, another young defenseman, 23 years old. Um, played 63 games, 13 points, just those guys around 16, 17 minutes. And then it's interesting who they have is their depth defenseman, which is Robert Haig. <laughs> Robert Haig, who was on the Panthers again, you know, like Sherratt was at the end of last season. And then they had Mark Pissick, who unfortunately I think he tore his ACL. Uh, so he probably won't be ready for to play at all this season. Um, so it'll be interesting. Obviously, Cider is a is a big a big uh help for them. Can he is he gonna have a sophomore slump or will he, you know, continue his rise among the defensemen in the NHL. I think he was ranked 11th in the NHL by the NHL network. So we'll see how Sider does. I think he's a really good defenseman, very, very uh, good defensively and off and uh, offensively. So we'll see. And then their goaltending is again, another big question that they have. They brought in Vili Husso, who was relatively strong in St. Louis. I think he finished like seventh or eighth in the Vesna voting last year. Uh, he had a nine seven nine nineteen save percentage, was twenty five and seven, and a two point five six goals against. They signed him to a deal similar to Ben Chirot's at four by four and a half. So uh, it'll be interesting how Huso fits with them. I think he's a good guy. Obviously, lost favor a little bit in St. Louis, but found a home there. And then they have Nedeljkovic, who we all thought was going to be uh, Carolina's future goaltender, and they traded him surprisingly last year or the season before. Uh, so it'll be interesting how they mix those in. I think Huso is ready to play about 50, 55 games. Uh, but you can see the defenseman depth isn't necessarily the best for Detroit. They do have Simone Edmondson, who's 19 years old, who was drafted sixth overall last year. Uh, big six foot three guy. Offense was never really there, but he's a, their top pair. Def- they project him as a top pair defenseman with a chance to be a star. So uh, it'll be interesting if he, if he, makes it to the big leagues next year uh, and makes his NHL debut. He's a big guy. I think it'll be a, you know, they drafted him relatively high at sixth overall. So it'd be interesting to see if he makes the jumps, but David, I do like that. The Detroit Red Wings blue line there. No one has paid over $5 million right. at the bench rod deal at 4.7, mm-hmm. but everyone kind of fits in nicely. And when you're getting like a guy, like a future potential Norris nomination player and Reed Sider, he's yep, only yep. coming at 863 K for the next two years. Mm-hmm. And then even further down the guys that they signed, like you said, Lidstrom, Lindstrom, he's only yep. you know, making under a million as well. So if, you know, some of these guys pop lower down, it just helps their cap, you know, to be yep. able to, have money and flexibility. So. Right. So, I mean, of those three, I think I would say that it's, you know, Tampa is relatively strong, but I still think Toronto uh, would take my vote as far as those three. So Kirby, if you want to head with yours, I believe you had Detroit, uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Yeah, I can get to Ottawa here first. Uh, <laughs> our fan base has had quite a bit of fun with the Ottawa senators here um, this off season here, you know, last year they, they, finished the regular season at 33 42 and 7 for 73 points they finished seventh in the atlantic they were 26 for goals for 22nd for goals against so they need to bump those numbers up dramatically um we'll talk about the forward rank and group next week but um they really have to work on um those defensive numbers getting better if they envision themselves being in a playoff spot um vegas insider projects them at 86.5 points i know we talked about this couple podcasts ago david and ryan where we kind of project them at i kind of project them north of 92 points but like david you've been getting a lot of stuff a lot of tweets a lot of stuff in your inbox ottawa fans feeling like they're going to be closer to that 100 number and i don't know if i can see that after coming off a 73 point season right again they had a lot of additions up front that will break down next podcast but um they're going to have the same coach and dj smith and the same gm and pierre dorian so i think that synergy is going to work really well with the centers and then returning for their first full season is anna and olivia melnick um, Eugene Melnick's two daughters. So that's going to be interesting how they kind of manage the front office, how they delegate things because, you know, being new to the hockey world, especially at like the upper management level front, it's going to be interesting what Ottawa does, but Ottawa fans are loving the moves that the ownership group made yeah. along with Pierre Dorian this summer on um, the goaltending depth chart. I'll kind of get to the goaltenders first. I, I do love their goaltending um, duo kind of 
pair, if you pair them together, Cam Talbot, 35 years old with Anton Forsberg, 29. Now, I talked to some Ottawa Senator fans, both these goalies last year, Talbot played 49 games with the Minnesota wild before coming over to Ottawa. Anton Forsberg played 46 games last year in Ottawa and he had really good numbers, 282 goals against average 917 save percentage on a really porous defensive Ottawa centers club and not a good club overall with all the additions that they've made this summer. So I really like, um, their goaltending duo. I've talked to Ottawa fans and they said, you know, Forsberg could steal that job very early on in the season. He could even get the starting nod out of training camp. So I think it's really a coin flip on what they do with, with the goaltenders there. And that's the fan base feels that I got a quote from, uh, from an article from Cam Talbot. He said, I'm not here to mentor. I'm here to win. So he's not giving up that starting position if he gets it. So there's going to be a lot of inner competition between those two within, within the organization. Um, on the defensive side, I, I think, you know, Thomas Shabbat is their horse. He's like their Victor Hedman, you know, 25 years old. He signed for six more years at 8 million. And Artem Zub, he's probably going to be paired up with Shabbat. And a lot of the fan base feels like there's going to be a lot on Zub's shoulders to kind of pair that top pairing because Ottawa doesn't have much after that. So again, Zub, uh, an injury to Zub or Shabbat will be crushing for the Senators because below that they have Jake Sanderson, who they're very highly touted youngster that they drafted in the first round, um, 23 years old. He'll probably be paired with someone, former New York Islander, former Vancouver Canuck, um, mm. Travis Hamannick. Interesting. So he's 35 years old. So again, this is where it starts to get dicey when we're talking about the Ottawa Senators, that four, five, six defense spot. Um, They have Brandstrom as well. You know, um, Eric Brandstrom, Nick Holden, who kind of pair that third pairing. But right. I talked to Ottawa fans and I'm like, what about Nikita Zaitsev? You're paying him t- 4.5 million over the next two years. He was at times getting first, second pairing minutes with the Toronto Maple Leafs just a few years back. And they said, no, he's nothing more than a six, seven defenseman. Wow. So that really hamstrings Ottawa when you're paying a guy $4.5 million. We know this with Keith Yandel, who's <laughs> barely going to be in the lineup and be your six, seventh defenseman. So again, um, this is one of the worst, I think, right-handed defense units in the league. So Artem Zubes, he's going to have to carry a lot of the load with Hamannick and Holden and and Branstrom, if he's over on the right side, um, they can't have an injury to that defensive unit because that's going to push, put a lot of pressure on their youngsters and Branstrom and San- Sanderson, who you know haven't quite come into their own yet, but they're very, very young. So right. um, they're hoping that'll stabilize their pairings. And again, uh, Holden, he can play either side on that on that um, those units. But I think Ottawa, they know it coming into this season. There's a lot of pressure on that defensive unit. So yeah, and Shabbat, like you mentioned, he's their horse. I think he was second in the league in time on ice, just maybe a second or two behind Seth Jones. So, uh, like you said, Shabbat is their horse, and you expect that to carry on this year. Yeah. So again, I think Ottawa's a fringe playoff team. Maybe they get, you know, maybe they surprise and get mm-hmm. into that third seeding. But I think a lot of things are going to have to go right in net. And then more so, things are going to have to go right on on the back end on that blue line. Right. Yeah, and just to finish that up, I really liked, like you said, Anton Forsberg. I think he had a game or two against us last year where I was like, man, this guy yeah. this guy didn't seem beatable. But, yeah, really, really interested to see how that goaltending dance to a duo uh, goes up because I think Cam Talbot's a relatively solid goalie, but uh, like we've seen, Anton Forsberg can hold his own as well. You know, with, with the team that he had last year to finish over 500 – was very impressive. And Talbot at 35 years old, you wonder when the yeah. wheels start to fall off one year yeah. left on his contract. Yeah. So yeah, Montreal Canadiens, I can get to them next year. Um, Vegas Insider has them projected at 71.5 points. So well back of the Ottawa Senators, about 16 points back. This is my most despised team in the whole league. <laughs> I just cannot stand Montreal. I know everyone's getting irate with the Montreal fan base of late, of course, Tampa Bay, um, even even Leaf fans. But, you know, if Montreal starts to make a push up here in the next few years, you're going to it's going to be uh, <laughs> something no, sure. that we're going to have to deal with for sure. So they allowed the most goals last year, 319 goals. Oof. I think they were last in the Atlantic for goals for 221. Only the Philadelphia Flyers in the Eastern Conference had less at 211 goals. This is the same club, Jeez. you know, minus Shea Weber, minus Carey Price. But this is the same club two years ago that went on their Miracle Stanley Cup run <laughs> when there was the Canadian division there. Right. They squeezed in by four points. That's so they crazy. wouldn't even had a shot to do what they did um, in that wacky kind of bubble season, if not for squeezing in by those four points. A lot of new additions. Again, um, 
some that are up front that we'll mention next week. This is their first full year of head coach Martin St. Louis. Uh, mm. Martin St. Louis, former Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, his record last year coaching the Habs was 14 19 and four. So I wanted to look that up to see what he kind of did. I think he started off a little hot and then, you know, he started, you know, expectations started to be tempered off there. So he did finish under 500, but still a pretty good record for a team that finished, you know, way right. down last, you know, in the Atlantic division on um, the goal tank depth chart. Montreal has been making a lot of moves over the last week here. So I had to scratch some things out. They originally had Caden Primo on a waiver exempt deal, but then I think they just recently signed him to a three-year deal at 890 K. So that was interesting because now he can't pass through waivers. So they already have two established goalies and Jake um, Allen at 32 years old and Sam Montembeau, the former Florida Panthers. Established goalie established, Sam okay. Montembeau. I don't even know what to say. Established, established backup, maybe. Jake, Jake Allen, <laughs> who's sick. been in the, who's been Brian, in the league. love Montembeau. <laughs> Not anymore. I wanted us to give him a more of a chance, but no shot. But I think I think he's a good like to be option. But again, Jake Allen not being a st- uh, starting goalie, but he is established in the league. He's got one year left on his right. deal at two point eight million. Um, Montebo's got two years left, so I don't know what they're going to kind of do in net there. Primo got twelve starts last year. Uh, Montebo got thirty eight. Jake Allen got thirty five. Now, what Hab fans are worried about is um, Allen's injury prone. Like they mm-hmm. obviously want him to play north of thirty five games, but. Uh, they like to say, like they said to me, you know, Montebo's a work in progress. <laughs> one half fan, he sent me a DM. Yeah, said, that Carey Price like, situation just kills him. One, yeah, it does. And one half fan sent me a DM and said that uh, Jake Allen and Montebo are key to us finishing bottom five and going for Connor Bedard, <laughs> you know, in the NHL draft. So they have that going for them there. They might move Allen if he gets 65, 70% of the starts, which they're kind of projecting, Sheesh. he'll likely be moved at the deadline. And that'll open up some more playing time for Caden Primo. Uh, Keith Primo's son, who used to be a, a former Philadelphia Flyer, fairly famous hockey player. So, um, came one in seven that. last year with a 4.62 goals against. Oh boy, yeah, like the numbers were pretty eye popping. <laughs> 335 save percentage, Montebo 377, 891 save percentage, but again. David, you can be pretty hard on goalies at times. We can't all put this on the goalie. No, 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 no. It starts on the back end. Yeah, right? for sure. The defense, their, goal, so. their defense isn't much better. Let's hear it. It depends oh, yeah. if David <laughs> likes the goalie or not. <laughs> I don't let's, like many. Let's gotta get off the goalie. <laughs> Bash. No, but like, you know, they're bringing in, again, a lot of theme in this Atlantic Division preview, uh, preview show is former Florida Panthers. So Mike Matheson yeah. enters his first season here in uh, Montreal, 28 years old. He signed a four-year deal at four point well four point eight million. That's the deal that was signed by I believe Dale Talon, of course. Yeah. So I think the one good part of the Montreal Canadiens moving forward, talking to their fan base a little bit, eighteen percent of their cap is on their D. So that's pretty good. A lot of teams have like mid twenties, even like low thirties percentage of cap towards their D course. So they've got 10% a lot of percent goes to Carey Price. Yes, and that part, that part that kicks in so bad. with the goaltending front, that's the part that they have to rectify. But right. they're able to maybe bring in a piece or two. I don't know if they're going to do that this season because of where they're going to be projected. Their first pairing is Mike Matheson and David Savard. Then you go down to Joel Edmondson and Justin Barron. He's he's a guy that Habs fans think that can play in that um, fourth unit. He's only 20 years old. Oh, wow. But they think he can already get top four minutes. Um, Jordan Harris, another youngster for them out of the NCAA, 22 years old. I didn't even know much about these guys, Justin Barron and Jordan Harris, but these are guys to kind of, I guess, watch for the Canadians this year. If one of them pops, then, you know, they'll be looking good. And then Chris Weidman, a veteran, steady force, 32 years old. Mm-hmm. He's only making like seven, 762K. Um, I didn't even know he was in the league that long. And then their, their prize youngster, Caden Gooley, um, Team Canada, representative world junior. He's 20 years old. They're hoping that he'll able to crack the lineup, but if not, then they have options there to probably play him a little bit in the minors. Again, like the Ottawa Senators, a big concern for Montreal. And even like when we get into Florida later, like a big concern is either one side of the blue line and it's the right side for them with Savard, youngster and Barron and a veteran and Weidman who might be in his last season. Um, Habs fans believe like they are the worst decor in the league. So they're hoping for good development from Barron, Harris and Gooley, who they're very high on. Uh, the third pairing is going to be a mess. They're going to be like stuck in their own zone a lot and things like that. They have a lot of high prospects, but again, these guys are two, three, four years away, but Montreal does have a lot in their pipeline. I think they're probably at this point now, probably top five, but they can still bottom out um, David and Ryan for some draft picks here. I looked at their draft picks over the next. Absolutely. 
yeah, they, they're not stockpiled with picks. So they want to be making moves at the deadline. I know we're going to get into the forward unit um, next next week, week. but a former Florida Panther that we'll mention uh, with Montreal right now, maybe they try to move him at the deadline, former sniper for us and Mike Hoffman. So they're going to look to probably move some players, probably most likely up front to kind of stockpile that draft base. So, you know, another rebuilding year, obviously here for Montreal, I don't see much more than a last place finish, maybe second last if, things yep. start to go well for them yeah absolutely i think you know what like i've alluded to a little bit here with carry price situation you feel bad for uh, a goalie of that caliber to be going through something like that um is really rough so ryan the floor is yours you have buffalo or i'm sorry boston and buffalo yes yeah which you can just start with whichever one you want so i have the uh the two middle of the pack teams in the catlantic from how they finished last year so i think uh i'll go i'll go with i'll go with buffalo to start okay. Buffalo, you got to start with Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, he's their best defenseman by far. You know, I think he just turned uh, 22 and he put up 53 points last year. I mean, he's a future superstar. And then he's, he's paired up with a bunch of young guys. Matthias Samuelson also, I think, I believe is 21 or 22. And then you got Owen Power. I think he'll be in the second pairing this year. He played uh, eight games last year. Looked pretty good. Yeah. It was the first overall pick. Um, yeah, they had. I think their future is very, very bright. You know, even getting we'll we, we'll get into the forwards next next week, I guess. But mm-hmm. they are a very young team, and last year they allowed uh, 290 goals, which was horrible. Not as bad as you know Not some sure. of the bottom teams, but they were they were lower in the in the league. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to improve much this year, but the only really way that they can is based on uh, experience. I didn't realize Owen Power was a, was six foot six, two hundred fourteen pounds at nineteen years old. That's that's impressive. I mean, like really you said, Dalian and Power are just going to be. Can you imagine? Remember, that he fan? went back to he went back to Michigan for a season too, yeah. right? So he's like, no, I'm not playing on this train wreck of a team. Let me go back to the NCAA for a year and then let me join you guys next year. I thought that was like very mature of him. He got a lot of work in with um. I think he played on the world championship Canada team, the world junior team. So he was getting a lot of hockey in last summer. And he's like, no, I'm just going to go back and, and work for this uh, Michigan Wolverines team, a powerhouse team. Yeah. I think yeah, he was in the Olympics, Kirby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Ryan in the Olympics. So nice. I think he played on like three different Canadian teams. So um, he got a lot of hockey in last year. So I think that was really mature of him to kind yeah. of be like, no, I'm going to use another year of development here and then come up with a better Buffalo team this year. And yeah. then goaltending. Goaltending, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, oof. They they have Craig Anderson who was good, like, and I don't know, in 2010. <laughs> I, believe, I loved Mr. Anderson. I mean, their their goaltending. This is definitely not the uh, not the future right now for them. They're uh, they're not going to have a great year next year in net. I think that's going to be their downfall. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, other than everything else, but then they have uh, Eric Comrie who also, you know is not going to do much. He, he played okay last year as, as the backup for the jets, but they don't, they don't have much in net. I, I still think they're going to, you know, be allowing around 280 290 goals again, just like this year. And I was surprised by like, um, Eric Comrie's numbers. That's the most hockey he's played, but he's never played North of 40 games before that, unless you count the minors. And then Craig Anderson's going to be asked to carry the load at 41 years old to play more Crazy. games than he should. So I don't know how that balancing act is going to work out, David and Ryan with, with the net there so yeah ryan hit the nail on the head you look at that goaltending situation you're like how can you rely on craig anderson i mean maybe maybe Comrie can carry some load but i think they had malcolm suban if i'm not right if i'm not mistaken he played a He's couple list on the injured reserve list right now so i don't know what's going uh, on there. you know who they, they have chase prisky we'll see if he makes the lineup at all he's still yeah floating around i took i took a picture with craig anderson i believe in like 2010 in a Publix, and <laughs> he was bald and he, apparently he's still in the in the league somehow i don't know why or so david how, but... took a, david david met vocoon what a uh, month ago there and then ryan yeah. you got a picture with craig anderson the former goalie duo i think yes sir vocoon's an ass i like, I like that goal i like that goaltending duo vocoon <laughs> was a nice guy don't don't he kicked you off his lawn or something like that right Right? yeah i was i mean i was i was i was trick-or-treating you know back in the day too this was i guess two probably 2008 2009 whatever it was and uh so i so i go up to you know i'm I'm walking around the houses in parkland you know i'm in a nice neighborhood here 
Right. And uh, I, I see Tomas Vokun and I was with, you know, a couple other big Panthers fans and uh, we, we went up to him and this man just pretty much just turned around and went in his house when he saw us coming. <laughs> so I, I'm not a, I'm not a Vokun fan. Maybe he changed. He took a picture with me at the gym. So maybe he changed his. Yeah. His David name. got a good impression on him, right? Yeah. Well, poor Ryan got neglected by Thomas Vokun at a trick or treat. <laughs> It's messed up. So, yeah, that's crazy. All right, Ryan. So you got uh, the last team we have here, which is Boston. How are you feeling about their defense and goaltending situation? All right, Boston. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good about them, you know, if they were healthy, but they're not. Um, and you could even I, I would even add in Bergeron, you know, to this just because he's so crucial to what they do and has been for, you know, 10 whatever years since he's been on the team. Um, so obviously Charlie McAvoy, you have to start there. He's, uh, definitely one of the top, I, I don't know what he was on that list that we looked at last, last week, but I believe he was, he was top 10 Yeah, for sure. He plays 24 minutes a night. Uh, he really had his breakout season this year with 56 points. You know, he took a huge jump with his, you know, other, uh, highest being 32, his rookie season. Oh, wow. So he's definitely the, the number one name to look at there. Um, yeah, Boston is another team. You know, they were very good defensively last year, and uh, I believe that will carry over. Kirby, if you have any other, uh... yeah, I just want to talk a little bit on their goaltending front. There, Ryan, like Linus Olmark. I don't know who his agent is, but he's making five million dollars. Like that's pretty good. Like you know, forty-one games played is the most that for he's... a backup too. <laughs> backup. He had good numbers, I think, in the regular season. There, two forty-five, nine seventeen save percentage, Ryan. But in the playoffs, he played two games and then got yanked. So he had like a yeah. 417 goals against 860 save. But I think in Boston, a lot of our fan base gets compared to certain two guys, and it would be Jeremy Swayman and Nett for Boston and Spencer Knight for us. Yeah. Swayman's a couple years older, but a lot of people project him to be about the same. So he's their future goalie. He's only got one year left on his deal like Spencer Knight does, and he's an RFA, so 925K. I think they want to get him some more starts in that, but uh, he – his progression is going to be interesting to watch because I think it's going to be similar to Spencer Knight. So those are two comparables within the division. Yeah, um, I think Swayman will start this year. No? Do you think? When they're paying, you know, they're paying all I don't, I don't know. I, I, million dollars I think he'll be in that game one. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see them sharing the load. I don't know what they envision in Allmark on that deal. I don't know if they got caught there, Ryan, because – um, you know, with the Tuka Rass situation, like, well, we, we've got to sign him to this and, you know, didn't pan out come playoff time. So, like, I think Swayman, they're comfortable, like, starting this youngster in net even come playoff time if they're a wild card position. I don't know where you guys project them to be, third, fourth in the division. So I, I still think they have a little bit left in the tank here, but, like, a lot's going to depend on their on their blue line and, and what they have in net. Well, like Ryan said, they lose McAvoy, but they also lose Matt Grizzlick for – an extended period of time to start the season as well, who played 73 games and was about 19 minutes a night as well. So it's very interesting. They still have Brandon Carlo. They've got Connor Clifton. Uh, they've got Mike Riley, Hapis Lindholm, uh, who I think just signed a big deal with, with, was it with them or with the Ducks that he signed the deal? He's on eight-year contract. I think it was signed with Boston upon um, that that trade, so $6.5 million. Right. Yeah, it was signed with, years old, with so. Don Sweeney, so that's the, the GM. Those so are the old deals that we used to see, right, that we were talking about before off-air, that you know, guys signing those big contracts at 28 years old. Won't, right. won't, you know, now teams are wanting to lock those guys up a lot sooner. So Boston's kind of going old school in that approach, paying a guy $6.5 million for – kind of the tail end of his prime into his 30s. So it'd be interesting to see um what load Lindholm's gonna have to carry with like you know McAvoy and Grizzlick out. Yeah, that's those injuries a, are gonna hurt Boston. They sure. might not make the playoffs because of it. Well they have other guys that are still that we'll talk about exactly. next week with Marchand who's gonna be out the same exact amount of time as McAvoy. Quarter of the season at least, right? Yeah. And like we've said, the goaltender situation, they pretty much split 50-50. They have that little tradition they do when they like hug each other. I don't know if you guys have seen that at all. I think they like do like a big bear hug after some game when they win. I don't know something weird. I've seen Brad Marchand up his up to his antics, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying with Swayman and Allmark when they win, doesn't matter who's in net. They okay. each give each other like a big hug of like that's become. I've seen popular on Twitter. So you think the chemistry is a little bit better there than what it might be with Anton Forsberg and, and Cam yeah, Talbot. for sure. To earlier with Cam Talbot's quote, there. absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it'll it'll build after some time with with Talbot. 
and uh, Forsberg, depending on how the situation goes. But they were pretty much identical, identical last year. Played 41 games each. They were both at 2.41 and 2.42 goals against, and their save percentages were just about 9.15 each. So I, I feel like it'll be that same situation again with Boston, uh, unless one gets hot and or one gets really cold, and then they're just struggling because of their defensive um, issues. So Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzly, losing those two is going to be uh, very hard to replace, I, I think. So I don't know, Ryan, if, if you're on that same boat. I mean, you were saying that I think they're still going to be good, but I, I don't know. That's a lot. They might, they might not make the playoffs, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I could see that. But especially with with Ottawa, how the trend I mean, they're been. aging fast, too. I, I don't know. With yeah, all those injuries, point. it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, didn't I don't look at them like Tampa Bay, but it's hard to count them out. Not to the level. No, for sure. Bay, but like, you know, Tampa Bay will make the playoffs most definitely. Right. But like to count Boston out in that pedigree that they have there, which we'll talk right. about next week with Bergeron and um, Pasternak even, Marshawn. So. All right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic points there, guys. Thank you for sharing your guys' info on all the teams. Uh you know, I don't know if you guys want to do a quick ranking here before we talk about the Panthers. I think, I mean, which it's up to you guys. If we want to do a ranking, I, th- I still think Toronto has one of the best in the Atlantic. I would go with Tampa second. Um, I think Florida is mixed in there as well with one and two, um, you know, maybe third. And then you've got Ottawa. You mentioned Kirby that they've got some, you know, Shabbat who's a workhorse. And then from there, they kind of seeing where they're going. I think Detroit still got a lot of questions to say, I think. And then we said Buffalo and Montreal, you know, besides Buffalo having their two main guys, there's not much else. Are we talking just the decor and goalie rankings yeah. here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a hard time, and I know Ryan's high on Toronto because I think he might have said in one of our earlier podcasts that he has the Maple Leafs finishing first in the Atlantic. I have a hard time putting the Leafs, if you're talking about their decor and especially their goaltending, first in the Atlantic. I just I don't have any faith in Matt Murray, and I can't put a team that's being led by Matt Murray, whether he's 1A, 1B, as first in the Atlantic. I would put Tampa Bay above that. I would put Florida above that. Because, like, you know, Tampa Bay has Victor Hedman. Florida has Aaron Eckblad. Like, I just think that makes it more established. And then what Tampa Bay has in net and what Florida has in net, it blows away what Toronto has. So I just, if you're talking about rankings with just decor and goalie, I don't know what you feel too, Ryan, but I'd have, like, Toronto third, fourth, fifth. And obviously I have them higher than that. I have them higher than that in the division. But if you're talking about their decor and their goaltending, they're much lower than where I project them to be, like in the regular season standings. Oof. Ryan, it's all coming think? from their forwards, David. You love the forwards, you love the flashy players, but it's all I, coming from Elander and Marner. I like Morgan. I think Morgan Riley's a solid number one defenseman. That, but I don't just put him on the level of Hedman or Ekblad or even Shabbat. You know, and Ottawa doesn't have a lot else there. <laughs> but I don't put on him on. Ryan? I don't put him on the level of those guys. If you're talking one D defenseman, and then you got to look at what Ottawa has in net, better than Toronto, Florida, better than Toronto, Tampa Bay. All they need is one goalie. His name's Vasilevsky, better than Toronto. So I just I've ranked Toronto a lot lower when it comes to their decor and and their goaltending. I don't know about fifth because because I would say they Toronto. If you just look at their defense, they're top two. Like in the Atlantic. Well, Muzzin, sure. Muzzin's injuries, Giordano's age. Like we talk about our team and the issues that we're going to get into Florida here in a second. Yeah, I would put us like maybe fourth with defense, just defense. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't trust a lot of the guys that we have, especially if Stahl's going to be playing with Carlson. Sure. I, I don't know. But a lot of people are high on Carlson. And remember, yes, we lost the Uyghur factor, but I'm still kind it. of saying we're going to put something in there. But yeah, if you're looking at it right now, we do have that hole there. But Toronto has that same hole with Giordano's age, with Muzzin's injury history and concerns over the past few years. Like Jake Muzzin isn't the same defenseman that he was in LA. So, or even his first year or so in Toronto. And then you look at their goaltending, it just, it brings them down even further. And like Toronto Maple Leaf fans that are confident in their team finishing first or second, they have no confidence in the goaltending. So I really have, have a hard time. How does that correlate with an older, we'll break into forwards next week, but an older John Tavares, yeah. what they're paying him. How does that correlate for Toronto finishing first or second in the division? And I don't see it at all with their defense and their goaltending. I guess, I guess the goaltending is, is a big indicator for sure. But like we said, the Florida Panthers uh, obviously led with Aaron Eckblad. You figure Gustav Forzing will be the number one pairing with him. Uh, I put out a poll with, close to probably about 700 votes last time I checked between Instagram and Twitter, if they trusted Gustav Borsling 
as the number one payer. And I think it went 90% on both platforms that they do trust Gustav Forsling as the number one defenseman with Ekblad. Uh, fantastic season for him at 71 points with 37, or I'm sorry, 71 games with 37 points for a second defenseman is very fantastic. Brandon Montour just had, had just as many points with 37 points. You had Radko Gudis, obviously the, the main hit man in the NHL. Uh, fantastic defenseman. You know, I know there's a lot of love for Radko uh, amongst the Panthers fans. He's those kind of guys that you love to have him on your team, but you hate if he's not on your team kind of thing. And then, like Ryan said, Mark Stahl, where is he going to fit in? He played 71 games last year and had 16 points, but I don't know. At 35 years old, that's kind of like a Jovo type of thing for me, you know. Six foot four, same field as Jovo. Yeah, and like me and Ryan were on, like bringing in a guy like Calvin DeHaan right when free agency started, and he just signed a a PTO. So I think we could have done a better job there, like. That was my personal gripe of this offseason, but I'm going to allow, you know, maybe a mulligan on that if Mark Stahl starts off well or stabilizes that third pairing. I think the caveat to get back on Gustav Forsling, guys, I think the caveat there is not really worried about him in the regular season. So I was one of those, whatever, 85, 90% that voted that I'm not worried. But come playoff time, I wonder what that dynamic will be with Ekblad or whoever he's paired with at that time. Because, you know, playoff physicality, I think, Tampa Bay was taking, and even Washington, David and Ryan, were taking runs at Gustav Forsling last year, dumping it in his corner of the rink and just taking runs at him. He took a lot of hits in the playoffs versus mm-hmm. the regular season, and it's just a different style of game. So I think, and I've, I've had Panther fans DM me on this, like Gustav Forsling has to have a good year in the gym, not only to bulk up, but also he's going to have added pressure and added minutes. Um, those those minutes now that are no longer there for a guy like Mackenzie Weger are now going to go to Gustav Forsling. So right. he's going to have his role like pushed up, even maybe with a new coach in Paul Maurice playing him maybe on special teams, playing those two units instead of what we just saw with Q and Bruno always playing that one unit on the power play and that second unit getting like 10 or 20 seconds. So I think a guy like Forsling, a guy like Monteur, they're going to have added pressure, added expectations. So I'll be right. curious. I'll be curious to see how that works, especially early on in the season. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do at the bottom. You know, do they have Lucas Carlson, Ryan, any input from you as far as what you think from Lucas Carlson? Is he kind of just a filler at this point? I, I think, yeah, both of them are just fillers. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about the defense. And to be honest, I'm worried about, you know, some of the guys we, that we signed in the forward group that we'll get into. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be a good team, but there are a lot of question marks now compared to last year. So it's just, you guys were all saying Fweger, he's terrible. He sucks. You know, like he's turnover. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's terrible. I'm not, I'm not fully having guys step up to take away what he, you guys said he stinked. I'm not fully in that camp. I endorse people that are in that camp. Ryan's in that camp. I I told you, I was always in the middle. I was always in the middle of Uyghur. I was fine with Uyghur and even some of the mistakes he made. I didn't want to pay him what the contract is going to dictate this following season or next off season. I definitely did not want to do that because it would have messed up our whole cap. We're paying Bob and, you know, guys like Hornquist that are still on, in, in, on the roster. So I, I've always felt like I've been push and pull on that. And I'm feeling the same with Lucas Carlson. I feel like I feel positive about him, but some fans, David, and you can speak on this that, you know, hit you up on Twitter and Instagram they feel he's like a third, fourth defenseman. I'm like, that's kind of pushing it. But then other people feeling that he's just more like a filler. I think like Ryan had just indicated there, I think he's more than that. But I don't exactly know where he balances with this team when we take Uyghur out, like you said, David, and didn't kind of insert anyone in. So that's my concern there when you talk about Mark Stahl, Lucas Carlson, guys that are going to have to, you know, and even you look further up the lineup with Monter and Forsling. And what's Aaron Ekblad's chemistry going to be without having his longtime partner in Mackenzie Weger there. You start to see it a little bit in the playoffs with when he was paired with Ben Sherratt. But well, how's that all going to play out as well? Well, I think the Lucas Carlson, the reason he wasn't able to step up and, you know, make himself his, you know, establish himself in the league was what which was what led to getting Sherratt was because that sixth guy wasn't able to be depended on and that ultimately, you know, backfired on us. So well, the devil's advocate there is people said Lucas Carlson to get enough opportunity. These are the fans that are like really, truly believe in him being a top four guy. And everyone, you guys are kind of like, what, what? Remember, we got Gustav Forsling off of waivers. Yeah. And now he's a top pairing guy for us. Is he a top pairing guy? 
Some people believe he is. Some people say maybe not. But he's at very worst like a third defenseman. So we got him off a scrap heap, off a waiver. So I don't think it's a big jump to say that Lucas Carlson won't be like a fourth defenseman for us, can push for that kind of position and role. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like you'll have some pushback on there that people said that he got a chance last year and didn't run with it. Some people said he didn't get enough of an opportunity. And then the deadline hit. And then we're adding pieces because we're going for the cup, right? Yeah, I'm just, like I said, I really like Forsling. really you know upbeat about him i think he's a good guy good defenseman i'm just a little concerned like we've said you know can he step up into those first you know offensive pairing roles where he has to lock down guys like stamkos guys like uh you know in detroit larkin and players like that that you're gonna have to you know not play against their second and third line guys can he step up and and you know, produce not just offensively, but also defensively, even though he might be a little undersized at six foot one eighty-six. So I don't know. But then, like we said, the the goaltending is it's a there is a little bit of, I guess, mixed between the goalies. Some want Spencer Knight to be the starter. I placed a poll again last week on if he should be the starter. And I was actually surprised it was as high as 36%, even pumping up close to 40 on both platforms. So you know, Bobrovsky's the horse. Obviously, his cap is something we've beat to a drum, you know, not just here, but on spaces and, and everything else that we've ever mentioned. Bobrovsky's contract is Kill always the offseason. It's always the thing that 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 kills us. So, Ryan, we start with you. I mean, do you think it's the same thing where Bobrovsky starts as the horse? If he stays good, he'll start, or do you think Spencer yeah, is going to get some more games? It's getting tough. Like, Spencer Knight needs to start playing, you know, a few more games each year, but um Bobrovsky's definitely going to carry the load this year again and he and he, he earned it in the playoffs too yeah he played I mean so. beginning with Knight he played 32 games which is not that low considering no. a 21 year old you know relatively good season had a better uh just about the same save percentage uh and goals against as Bobrovsky did just a little bit higher but yeah I mean Kirby I know you you're a big Spencer Knight guy for sure so how do you feel about this I uh, I want to go back to what we said about Boston there with Jeremy Swayman. And I know he has a starting goaltender in Allmark who's not paid like Bobrovsky, who doesn't have the pedigree like Bobrovsky. And, you know, you look at their numbers last year, fairly similar, especially during the regular season, but not, you know, that same pedigree that, you know, Bobrovsky's a horse. He's a 60-game-plus goalie, which you don't see a lot anymore. But I still right. think we need to skew towards that. And people are going to be like, how, how can you leave your $10 million goalie and Bobrovsky on the bench? But then other people, if you look at it deeper, especially within our fan base, we know what Spencer Knight is. We know the pedigree there, you know, coming out of um, USA Development Program, uh, what he's done there, what he's done in the NHL. You know, a little bit of uh, learning curve last year but again he's two years younger than Jeremy Swayman in Boston so look at that too I think right. people forget they're looking at you know Spencer Knight and being like oh he's 23 24 24 whatever he's no like what is he just 21 is he 21 right now yeah he's 21 yeah and it's just like he's got so much room for gr- growth and development and you don't want the situation to happen to him that happened in Philadelphia a lot of fans use this as a barometer with Carter Hart throwing him to the wolves. And I think obviously Florida is better insulated, even though we talk about their issues on the back end, Ryan, um, I think they're better insulated than, you know, a team like Philadelphia. So I want to see Spencer Knight get more starts this year. I want to see him stick in the NHL this year. He's got guys pushing him a little bit. Now it's Lyon, Matt Guzda, um, whatever Andrew Hammond does out of camp on his PTO. I'm not sure. I'm not really going to bank on that. Just like Eric Stahl on his PTO, but I think there's a lot more internal competition this year because remember last off season guys, we had Devin Levi coming up and then we moved him in the Sam Reinhardt deal. Um, Levi did very well for the world junior team in Canada. I think it was Levi and Knight in the gold medal game two Florida Panther goalies at the time. So moving him on, it kind of depleted our system and then us sharing it with Seattle. I think Joey Decord was getting starts. Who's part of the Seattle organization. So I think here you're going to see a lot more internal competition in camp and throughout the season and down in the A um, with the Panthers goaltending. So Knight's got that to look at and be like, you know, I got to be even, you know, five ten percent better i gotta get off to a good start the starts that i get i have to be ready um so it'll be really interesting how that all plays out i don't see how i don't see how you guys see it playing out but um kirby i i see like the competition not with you know andrew hammond but with bobrovsky more so 
Like yeah, Spencer. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying I'm saying Andrew Hammond with. I don't see them pushing him at all. They're not. They're not taking his spot. Well, they have Alex Leon really. Too. Alex Lyon's probably one of the best third string goalies in the league, and we got him this offseason from Carolina, I believe. So, you know, n- n- obviously not over the long term duration of his career, but I'm talking right now, Ryan. Like mm-hmm. Alex Lyon, a goalie like that, can push Knight if he falters, kind of like he did a little bit last year. He had to go down to the minors, work on a few right. different things. So, I'm hoping this year isn't that development year again, where it's like that first couple weeks or month that he's ready to go. He's not going down to the minors at all. Um, the starts that he's getting are very good. So like we saw when he came up, David, remember when he came up in Anaheim, LA there on that West coast trip, he was ready to go. That start in Vancouver. That was a big game for Spencer Knight. And then from that point on the ball started to get rolling. So I'm expecting the same, but again, what do you do with the Bobrovsky situation? Obviously Bobrovsky is going to push Knight to be his best, but what's the ratio of games played going to be there? Yeah, I'm really interested, and I can't wait to see what happens because like we've, I think a lot of people have said that Maurice is just a guy that rides his number one. Uh, in Winnipeg, he was riding hella buck to about 60, 65 games, almost 67, 68 games in a season. So, I mean, I don't think he's set up that way because he has a youngster, like we mentioned in Spencer Knight, that could get you 35, 40 games if needed. But it'll be it'll be interesting. And then a little bit more on the defensive side, Sorry, we have Michael Delzato is coming in. He signed this offseason as well. And then you have Matt Kierstad, who played like 10 games, I think it was, last year. Um, Just guys that, again, will be battling for that Lucas Carlson spot if he can't take care of it. I think Michael Delzato's left – I think they're both left-handed, Kierstad and Delzato. So that'll be one that we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that goes if Carlson can't convince Maurice from the start. But – can Del Zotto play both sides? Like, that's the thing, like, bringing some of these new guys in, you wonder um, if they're going to be playing. like hasn't you know, listed as a left-handed, so I don't know. Because, like, you know, Uyghur has always played his offside and, you know, with right. Ekblad. So I could see, like, that playing out with one of our guys. They have Monter listed at both sides, lefty and righty. But Yeah, I think, is- yeah, I think, I mean, you look at the right, you have Ekblad, Gudis, and then they had Montour on the right um, as well. So we'll see. It, it'll be tough to see. Exactly what happens, but it's a good thing to have at least Delzato and, and Kierstad ready to go if, if that needs to be. I don't think there's anyone too ready in the in the prospect pool that it'll be ready to take that extra jump, especially on the defensive we, side. We don't want to talk about injuries at all, but a guy in Aaron Ekblad has been injured twice. What if something like that happens? Then you you know this is, Ryan's not gonna like this or that's like you saying losing you're gonna see Monter, you're gonna see Monter play, you know, the right side and then Forsling the left side. But David, like even day to day or a few games that Ekblad misses, like you have to look at the history of yeah. him. Like he's not an 82 game horse guy. So mm. you know that's what our D's gonna look like. And then you know that's why I'm like I, I, I do lean to Ryan when he says he's worried about the defense because one injury hit there. But that's the same thing we talked about with Ottawa. Boston's already – I think Boston would maybe have one of the best four, five, six units if they were healthy, but right. they're not. So all these teams already starting behind the eight ball. Toronto's starting behind the eight ball and net. So, you know, we got to look at our decor, you know, realistically within the, the division since we're doing a preview show here. And it's pretty good, right? And, you know, if there's an injury to us – an injury to anyone else, you've got to have holes somewhere in the salary cap. Sure, Every course. team has them. And our hole right now is on defense because of how much we're paying our goalies, how much we're paying our top forwards. So, you know, there's going to be holes abound somewhere. So, I think Ryan, would you say Bobrovsky is the second best goal in the Atlantic right now? Yes, for sure. Behind Vasilevsky? No, Samsonov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember Irby, he's high on Toronto. Quick, he's quick high on one there. Toronto. Second. Well, no Tuka Rask no more. No Carey Price. It's yeah, like, it's yeah, just... I think like Abrowski at this point. Yeah, like. I don't that's... think you put Cam Talbot above him. I no. mean, he better be the second best for $10 million. Yeah. If you I would up. agree. I think he's the second best as well. And then, I, like we said, I think Hedman is the best defenseman in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Right now. I don't think Aaron Ekblad is just there yet. Uh, I don't think Cider is just there yet. Uh, What's the number one defense? McAvoy, maybe, but he's not healthy. So I would say. I don't know if Ekblad ever gets there because Hedman's got the crown and then the crown might go to Cider. So I don't know if Ekblad ever gets to that. 
you know, number one position. If you're yeah, talking. I think I still got to give the nod to Hedman for sure. I don't think Darlene, Darlene's good, but that's true. Darlene and Power, those are Power is a guy that could be in that mix yeah. for number one in a few years' time. Yeah. So. All right. Well, fantastic recap. I think we covered everything we possibly could. But before we get out of here, I know Ryan, we've made it, try to make it a, a weekly thing with you with your losers of the week i know there were maybe a few you want to add today from the nfl season or or just overall in, in the whole uh, sports world there's, yeah there's two from the sports world and one uh, personal thing i witnessed this uh this week all right let's let's hear it my friend all losers right so i'll do the week. top i'll do top three so i'll work it down to you know number one okay. so number three here just because i don't want to talk about this team a lot because you know i used to I used to love the team more than I do now for sure. And that's the Miami Marlins. I mean, this team has lost 11 out of 13 games. Derek Jeter's gone, you know, five years ago or four years ago when, uh, when the team was, you know, given to him, all I heard was, Oh yeah, give us three years. We're going to be a contender. Give us four years, blah, blah, blah. It's year five. And I think they're 20 uh, games below 500. Their season's done already. So that's number three for me. I, I don't even want to talk about those bums. And then number two, number two, I'm going to have to go with uh, sold out menu items. So Wingstop came out with the chicken sandwich, you know, about a week and a half ago. And I saw, I'm like, you know what, you know, I love, you know, Chick-fil-A has a good one, Popeye's. I'm going to see what Wingstop has. So after work, you know, I'm going into order and all of a sudden on the app, it says the Wingstop chicken sandwich has sold out. How are you going to sell out after a week and a half? This is just like the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. (laughs) Ryan, this is like the McFlurry in Canada. Like we're minus 40 degrees. We're talking Celsius here in the winter, guys. We have Slurpee machines working at full magnitude. We have any type of machines. (laughs) They don't freeze or whatever. The McFlurry machines in Canada never work. I probably haven't had a McFlurry in 10 years because every time you ask. Kirby, that's not just Canada. That's that's here also. Okay, so it's an epidemic. You got a 50% Wingstop, you said? Wingstop. No, just just sold out menu items. That's happening everywhere. Everywhere you go. Yeah, it was like, you know, a month and then all of a sudden it was here and then they're like, oh, we sold out of ingredients. Like, what are you talking about? You use (laughs) the same podcast. Are their shares going to crash because of Ryan's segment? (laughs) I think so. Monday morning, you're going to see the stock market just go down because of the wings. So I'm I'm kind of pissed at Rick Ross. (laughs) needs to fix that. All right. We got number one. Going to number one. I'm directing this one at a at a whole league. So this one. At one of the sports leagues we have, uh, and it's going to be the NFL. Oh, it's number one. God. Hear me out here. Hear me you out. You said football last week in the Premier League. Football, <laughs> exactly. And now that they they actually suffer from the same exact problem as what I'm about to say here. So it's not going to be scoring. Now this one is going to be about ties. So there oh, is no God. reason why there are sixteen or sorry seventeen games now after they changed it last year. And you're going to allow the league to play, you know, 60 minutes plus another another uh, 15 and then call it a tie and just end the game right there. <laughs> you, know, you need to switch the rules. So each team starts like on the 30 or 35 and gets the ball and you just go back and forth until someone scores. There shouldn't be a tie in a professional sporting event. Even in soccer, they should just, you know, I do agree. best of three penalty kicks or something. Just end it. Ryan, I'm disappointed this week. Where? Where is the sound effects? Like, you got to hit us up with three here. You got it ready? <laughs> David said we didn't have sound effects last week, and you came through. So we got sound it? effects. Loser. I got tons. <laughs> I do agree. The NFL needs to rectify their their end-of-game situation if it's tied. Because, like, in college, they have you start from the 25, and then it's pretty much – uh, what is it? you have to go for a two pointer or something like that after after like the third one yeah, yeah. yeah so college became sense. very revolutionary on that right David and Ryan? yeah I think it's a good thing like what are we NHL, doing here NFL did it and and the NHL got you know got rid of it too like yep you, you yep. can't end in a tie it's just like, I used yeah, to go to it's tie the game, most would... exciting five minutes in hockey if if it does go to the overtime you guys ever attend tie games like where you season tickets yeah over? yeah I remember coming out of like a Chicago Calgary game and just looking at everyone on the street and you're like what's this feeling about it was like people I was spend like their hard-earned money have and, a sister, so i don't know and in a tie it's like kissing your sister come <laughs> on now the, it is true it is true 
So yeah. So if there's anything else you guys want to mention, I think we did a wonderful recap of as far as the defense and goaltending situations for all the teams. I think, like we've said, Florida is uh, there's going to be questions for sure for for Forsling to see how he does and then how the depth can handle you know maybe a little bit of a bigger role in in Carlson or Mark Stahl. So. Where do you guys have Florida ranked then with the defense and goaltending? Like, where are you ranking them with them? I think the goaltending gives them a big boost compared to the other teams. Uh, so I would go as far as like a third, third, like tied for third. By a second, even maybe, or like mm. north of that. You're, you're hating on Toronto, Kirby. <laughs> I am on the defense and goaltending front for sure. Like, guys, we're going to get into the forward ranks next week, and they're so talented there, but so are we. So is Tampa yeah, Bay. For sure. So are other teams. Ottawa, oh, all the course. pieces of Ottawa added. Like, that's yeah, where I Ottawa's. Think- Confident. I think Radko Gudis is a fantastic person to have on your second line for sure. And then you have him with the other is Montour or, or um, Mark Stahl. He's got to have a big do. role like this year. And like, I think we like Montour. utilizing him, right? Playing him a third pairing minutes. Like he could, you look on the Leafs roster, the Ottawa roster, Detroit mm-hmm. roster, he could easily play second pairing. So it's not Brian, just you would go with third too. Yeah. I, I would set him around there. Yeah. No, second, too. third for me yeah we're, we're all on the same page there so all right boys well i thank you guys for another fantastic episode here where we recap the atlantic division defense and goaltending i hope you guys have a good rest of your day thank you guys for another fantastic episode ryan you know don't don't bet on the afternoon and monday night football games i know you never do kirby good luck to your cowboys and your um you know, yeah. your group chat, our you cowboy Florida Panther group chat that's going on on Twitter. We're very confident to go one <laughs> later this night as we're filming this on uh Sunday evening here. And also Kirby. shout out to our discord community. Everything's going yep. right there. Yes, Ryan. I'm not going to tell you why, but I, I need the Cowboys to pull off a win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> does this, does this word start with the letter B David? <laughs> I think he just has a little bit of a, a little love for the Cowboys. Since I don't know. I just, or I just a little essay, a little side tonight. action. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little side action here. That's exactly it. I'm seeing a low scoring game, maybe 21 17, 23. Right, did, right. did Kirby just call the under there? All right, Kirby. I have that written down for my my uh post podcast uh betting guide. Oh, also one more thing. Um, one of my losers of the week from last time, Scott Frost, uh, did get fired. That today. was a perfect call. Oh, he did right. get fired. We need a check mark sound. He yeah. did get fired. Make a very good call there, right? Yeah, he lost. He lost another one. Uh, he lost to jo- a random Georgia State team. Yep. So. They paid See, David like Ryan's in, Ryan's influencing the mark. See the mm-hmm. stop? Mm-hmm. Is it? He's going to influence that. They're going to go bankrupt by yes, next week. So watch watch out for the Miami Marlins next week. Crazy right. might happen. Even way before Halloween here. <laughs> All right, boys. Thank you guys for another one. I hope you guys had a good evening and a good rest of your day, wherever you're listening to in the, the world. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Thank you guys for the fantastic first, four, first six episodes. And we look eager to get back next week as we talk about the forwards across the Atlantic division. And then we finally get into some training camp and hopefully postseason chat in the next few weeks. So Ryan Kirby, thank you guys so much. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Peace. Have a good one.